Thank you. Just uh, great to be here, man. I've loved getting to see your beautiful city. And just has been absolutely incredible. You know, drove around a little bit downtown on Friday evening, I think, when we got here. Went to the Ford Museum yesterday, which I think I irritated this family because I would have spent three days there. And I wanted to look at everything. And they're like, we want to show you this. I'm like, wait, but there's 15 things in between there that I want to see. So next time I come here, I'll just leave me there for the day. But And then we went to go to ice cream last night, which was an adventure because there was some kind of street, not racing, but street car show and all these cars revving up and down. And Wood, what was that? Woodward Corridor. Yes, I've absolutely loved the weekend, man. Um, sad I haven't been to Detroit before. I've been through Detroit flown into the airport and transited out of the airport. It's the first time I've left the airport and I'm now I'm sad that I've taken me so long. So love the city and, and love getting to know the people. So absolutely great, eh? So thanks for having me in. Paul and Minda, you guys are heroes, man. Church planters are heroes. It's it's not easy, it's a long haul and just want to commend you guys for, for the years of faithfulness that you've already put in here, you know. So well done. Commend the church as well. You know, in our in our region, when COVID hit, we were we were renting a school hall. And we rented from the from the school district. It's Adams twelve. And uh, the lady we got quite friendly with a lady that oversees all the rentals and fifty four fifty four schools. And uh, I think she said 40, half 40s of them were rented out. And after COVID, as we were starting to come back and went back to looking to rent the school, she said only seven churches had called me back. So if you got through COVID and survived, I want to commend you guys, all of you, all of you for sticking through that thing. I do want to speak about the Holy Spirit, but I, I, I want to I wanna just, uh, just remind you of something real quick. And... Let, let, let me say this, you know, when, when, when I come into a church like this, I've been invited in, it's, it's not for me to come and preach my best happy sermon, my best sermon, tell all my jokes, it's, it's not that, and that, that is the cool part of being able to travel, is jokes that worked 30 years ago at home base still work when you're on the road, and you need to pray for my wife, because she's heard the same jokes for 30 years, she always tells me you need some new material, I don't have any, it's like this is what I got. So it's it's not to do that, but it's to build into the life of the church, to help you guys lay foundations, for me to try and deposit something here under God today that you guys can build on over the next months and years even. It doesn't make sense. So in that light, just go with me to Philippians. We are going to go to Acts chapter 2, but I want us to go to Philippians 1 first. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. And I, I believe this this... This first scripture is pretty much represented in all four of the epistles. And so I, I think it's representative of scripture for us in general. And so Philippians 1 verse 1 says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, some translations slaves. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. And here we go. To all the saints in Christ Jesus in Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. So I want to tell you, there's something there that if we miss it, we're going to miss the weight of the New Testament written to the church. And so when we understand this, you get Paul and Timothy, this apostolic prophetic team, this, this, this fledgling apostolic prophetic team, and they write to the church in Philippi, 
but they address this letter, this apostolic letter, primarily to all the saints. Put up your hand if you're a saint this morning. If you're a believer, put up your hand. You're a saint. Saints are not dead Christians. Saints are believers. And so to all the saints, and so for us as believers, as ordinary believers, if there is something, when we read Scripture, even if it's about leadership, even if it's about the church, even if it's about taking the gospel to nations, we don't go, okay, that's for Paul and Minda to do, and a few super Christians. When we read Scripture about those things, we've got to read these words in front of almost every Scripture to all the saints. This is written to me. And so in, this, in, the, in the greatest adventure of all time, the gospel to all nations, every single one of us is recruited into that mission. And every single one of us has a role to play in that mission of making disciples of all nations. You doing okay? You can't just skip over stuff and be like, oh, well, that's for the church leaders. That's for the apostolic team. That's for the young guys. That's for the old people. No, it's not. To all the saints. To all the saints. Represented in all four of these epistles. In all four, this one's clear. To all the saints. I think it's Ephesians says, to the brothers in Jesus. Like we're all brothers in Christ. It's written primarily to us. To the saints. Along with the overseers, the elders, and with the deacons. It doesn't negate church structure. doesn't negate church leadership. But it puts a primary responsibility to the reading, understanding, and application of Scripture on all the saints. Are you doing okay? Okay, so let's go to Acts chapter 2. That was for free, no extra charge. Now we're starting now, yeah? At home they tease me. They say I preach by the calendar, not by the clock. But I'm going to try and be disciplined this morning. So here we go. Yes, yes, you're going to do um, Acts chapter 2. So we're going to start. Paul references the day of Pentecost. And so Acts chapter 2 says this. When the day of Pentecost came, uh, some translations say when the day of Pentecost had fully come. And so I don't know, I understand the difference. I don't. You know, if we're celebrating 4th of July, like, well, when the 4th of July had fully come, I mean, it seems like it's redundant. You know what I'm saying? So, but when the day of Pentecost had come, but just think about that. Now, as Paul said, in this time, border city church, every church should be aware of that. But I'm not preaching in every church. I'm preaching here with y'all this morning. Does that make sense? So, border city church, the day of Pentecost for y'all has fully come. You doing okay? They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing men, uh, sorry, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native tongue? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Pythagoras, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to, Ju to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. 
So the day of Pentecost was an Old Testament feast. And in the Old Testament, they celebrated Pentecost. What they were celebrating with the Pentecost feast was the beginning of the harvest. That's a cool thing to do. So I'm celebrating the end of the harvest. I'm celebrating the beginning of the harvest. I'm I'm at this initiation point where I'm going to start gathering my harvest, where I'm going to start living with the fruit of my labor. At that point, I'm going to honor God with a feast. I'm not honoring God for what He has done. I'm honoring God. And this in Pentecost is about honoring God. The Feast of Pentecost is about honoring God for what He's about to do. Honoring God for the provision He's about to bring in in the harvest. You doing okay? And so we understand this story here. Some, some theologians will say this is the restoration of what was lost in the Tower of Babel, Genesis uh, is it 12. 11? Thank you, sir. So Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel is about God, a man trying to find his way to God without God. Let us build a tower. Let us make our name great. We can do this, Lord. And God confuses their language. And so you can see as God confuses their language about man trying to do this in his own effort. And here restores all of that, brings that all together. Suddenly everybody does have a common tongue. And... and this is the beginning of the harvest, and we get to see the end of the story, not the end of the story, but we get to see the story played out over the, over the last 2,000 years. Millions, if not billions of believers all over the world. That's what this thing was celebrating. And so just like there was confusion about man trying to find his way to God without God, this is saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh later on in this chapter. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, and y'all are going to play a role in, in gathering this harvest. By my spirit, says the Lord. And so now it's not about human effort. It's not about the Tower of Babel, man finding his way to God in his own effort. But this is God saying, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We're going to celebrate the coming harvest and we're going to play a role in, in gathering that harvest. Are you doing okay? What was true then is still true now. There's a harvest to be gathered. There's a harvest to be gathered. When, when I meet with church planters, we just started a multi-site about 45-minute drive south of us in the south part of Denver. We are northwest of Denver, and we started a, a, a multi-site to the south of, of Denver. And here's the, here's the question I asked those guys. There were some guys that lived down there. And so I asked them this. Do you believe there are people here that God has called us to reach? And they said, yes, we do. So I said, okay, then we can multi-site. I think that's the question we should ask when we're planting a church. Oh, I'm going to go plant in Hawaii. I'm going to go plant in Alaska. It doesn't matter. Do you believe there's people there that God has called you to reach? That's the motivation for going and planting a church. That's the motivation for ministry. That's the motivation for our heart to reach people. Are you doing okay? And so I want to tell you, friends, here in Detroit, Again, I'm only preaching to this church. Every church should have this heart, but I'm only preaching to this church. Do you believe there are still people here that God has called you to reach? Yeah. Then that's what we celebrate on the day of Pentecost. We celebrate the coming harvest. We celebrate what God's about to do. We celebrate the fact that God has called us here to play a role in this great ingathering of worldwide harvest. Here in Detroit. Are you doing okay? 
I want to say this r- real quick again as the outset. We, we're going we're gonna to go to one, 1 Peter 1 verse 10 in a minute. But I want to say this. I think Nehemiah is an interesting leader in the Old Testament. I think he's, I think he's unique. I think many, in the, many leaders in the Old Testament, some of them brought revival, some of them rebuilt the city, but Nehemiah did both. Nehemiah is the one leader that rebuilt the city and brought revival. And so we look at the, we look at the, the first seven chapters of the book of Nehemiah, and it's all about rebuilding. And in verse 8, he brings revival by restoring the word of God. Yeah? Utterly unique. But I think there's a plan and a pattern there for us. You know, that we are called to build. We're called to establish something here. I'm called to establish what God wants to do in Redemption City Church. We're called to build it, establish it. But we're also called to bring revival by the Spirit. Are you doing okay? We build with the Word of God, but we revive by the Spirit of God. I, I, I asked, I asked on on Friday. God stirred me on Friday night and going into Saturday morning about this thing. It's like, where, what, have there been has there been any significant move of God in this in this area this region? What are the key ministries that were here maybe at one time that have shut down? But God wants to do that again and again and again and again. And he wants to use all the saints. He wants to use his word. And he wants the entire land stirred. Are you doing okay? Build with the word, we revive by the spirit. There's always this word spirit debate, debate, which one is more important. Some inevitably throw out one for the other. Some some churches in in the Western world have become what they call practicing cessationists. Now cessationist believes that the acts of the Holy Spirit cease with the apostles. That's what that means. But some churches have become practicing cessationists. If you had to get in a discussion with the pastor and say, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? He would say, yeah, absolutely. Well, do you believe in this about the Holy Spirit? Do you believe this? Yes, absolutely. Would affirm all the theology of the Holy Spirit. But in their practice, the way they lead their church, the way they govern the church, the w- in all of those practical outworkings, they are practical cessationists. They do all of those things. They would affirm their theology. But the way they do things is as if they were cessationists. Practical, practicing cessationists. Affirm the theology, but deny the acts of the Holy Spirit. You doing okay? Use this quick illustration yesterday. I'm not going to labor it again this morning. But use this quick illustration yesterday about an airplane. And, and it just is the best illustration. We've used it a ton. Um, I'm an aircraft mechanic by trade or was an aircraft mechanic by trade. Um, and so this afternoon at about 4.45, is it? You, to- you told me what time I was flying out. I was 4.40. You see, I was a little bit offended by that, but knew exactly what time I was trying to leave, so... Just want to take you to the airport now. What's going on here? No, I'm just but when I get on that, when I get on that airplane in Detroit, and it's taxiing down the runway, we we, we use this with the word spirit debates. Like, which is more important, the word or the spirit? Well, let me ask you. When I'm on that airplane taxiing down the runway, which wing is more important, the left wing or the right wing? Because as an aircraft mechanic, I can promise you this: we're going to need both wings to get off the ground. And as an aircraft mechanic, let me promise you, we're going to need both wings all the way to Denver to maintain straight and level flight. 
And while we're on finals approach at DIA, we're going to need both wings to come to a safe landing. That's a picture of the church, friends. This is what's happening here in the book of Acts. Word and Spirit, both wings in the launch of this global mission. And what are we going to need to maintain straight and level flight while we gather this worldwide harvest? We're going to need Word and Spirit. And we're going to need Word and Spirit until our final destination, which is Jesus returning for His beautiful bride. There's not a single moment in time, history, or space when the church is not going to need Word and Spirit. Are you doing okay? We don't give up one for the other. So let's go to 1 Peter 1 verse 10. I'm watching my time now. 1 Peter 1 verse 10. You there? Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come, searched intently and with the greatest of care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those, listen carefully, by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven. See, there's not an intent ever that I can find in the heart of God for the gospel to be preached any other way than by the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven. It's not supposed to be dead, dry affirmation of spiritual principles. It's not supposed to be about that. It's supposed to be about the life of God. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I want to tell you, friends, I, I, I've, I've been in this nation for 22 years. I've sent one of my sons to the Marine Corps in this nation. I've sold out for this nation. I don't think I'll ever live anywhere else. Cost my, my citizenship, most of y'all were born here. My citizenship in America cost me $20,000. And it took me 10 years. One of the proudest moments of my life when that judge swore me in and said to me, you now have the full rights of an American citizen. The fact that, the fact that you are, what, what do they call that? Um, naturalized, yeah? Naturalized, yeah? The fact that you are naturalized now and you've gone through this process means that you have the full rights of an American citizen. So I'm one of y'all. I don't sound like y'all, but I, I'm one of y'all. I mean, I don't look like any of you either, but that's another story. But it's a, it's, it was a very proud moment for me to be sworn in as an American citizen. But I want to tell you, friends, the, the thing that I, that I believe the church needs to realize, now I'm not, this is not a political talk, this is a Holy Spirit talk, but the thing that the church needs to realize is we need to stop looking to the people that got us in this mess to get us out of this mess. I don't care what your political party is. The answer to the challenges in this nation is the gospel preached again with power and anointing and authority. That's the answer to every ill, to every sin, to every part of brokenness in an individual's life or a nation's life. And what I've said in America is true in every nation. Every nation. I've traveled all over the world. I've been to China. I've been to India. I've been to India where they still practice legally, maybe not legally, but it's certainly not prosecuted, in India where they still practice bride burning. I think the gospel has something to say about that. Uh, are you doing okay? 
It's not an American thing. It's not a political thing. It's just this thing, that the answer to everything that ails man, everything that ails society, everything that ails a nation, is the gospel preached again with power and anointing and authority. Who's going to do it? All the saints. Isn't that beautiful? How are we going to do it? By the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven. By the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven. The gospel breaks cycles of sin and unforgiveness. The gospel breaks generational cycles and curses. My father grew up with an alcoholic father who would come home at 3 o'clock in the morning, drag him out of bed and beat him with whatever he could put his hands on. My father left home when he was 12 years old. My dad had wasn't like, he wasn't an alcoholic, but there were some other challenges. I left home when I was 14. I got saved at the age of 25, and that cycle in my life was broken. You know who's glad about that? My wife and my children. They're glad that cycle of violence and abuse was broken when I gave my heart to the Lord. You're doing all right. People say this to me, and Paul alluded to it now, you know, people say this to me, TK, you're a good dad. My boys are 22 and 24. My daughter's in Chicago. She's 28. 28. My son's gone back to South Africa. The son that served in the Marine Corps, he has gone back to South Africa. He's 32 years old. And people say to me, you're a good dad. You know, my answer to that is too soon to tell. Because you know when we can have that conversation, when you see how my sons treat their wives, when you see how my boys raise their children, then we can have a conversation. Right now, too soon to tell. Some signs, thank you. Some signs, some glimmers of hope. <laughs> but this is a generational thing. The Bible changes generations. The Bible changed the generational thing in my family. And then by the grace of God, jumped back a generation because I had the privilege of leading my mom and my dad to the Lord. My dad came to visit us in the in the little church that I led in Los Angeles. And my, my dad was a brutal, savage man. At that time, he was 70 years old. He was 70 years old. And he, and, he, and he sat in the front row, like in that chair over there. And I threw the net out. Anybody want to get saved? Because people were standing. Anybody want to get saved? My dad put his hand up. Great evangelist, great man of faith. I'm like, nah. He didn't understand what I meant. So, so I stood a little closer to him. Stood like this. Now he's, sta he's standing right there. I'm three feet away from him. Nah. Ooh, everyone knows what you're doing. I go, okay, everybody put your hands down. His hand was the only hand up at the time. So everybody put your hands down. So I go, okay, do you want to get saved this morning? That means Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life. It means you have to ask for forgiveness for all your sins and repent and follow him. Put your hand up. And my dad went like, duh, I heard you the first time. Because only the Holy Spirit can do those things. Only the Holy Spirit can do those things. broke generational cycles of violence and abuse. Broken right there. 
My, my family history is drugs, alcohol, suicide, divorce. That's my family history on, that, on, on, my, on my father's side. Pretty much the same on Sandy's side. It's like, how, how do we get to this place? The gospel, Scripture, by the Holy Spirit, sent down from heaven. You doing okay? The gospel breaks the cycles, changes lives and destinies, it transforms societies, and it forms new communities that will be the prophetic representation of what we will one day see in heaven. That's what the gospel does. That's what the gospel does. Let's do that. That's, that's something worth giving our lives to. That's worth something giving our lives to. Gos- the gospel is real simple. Four parts. I'm going to help you share the gospel. Give you a little elevator speech. You can, sh- you can share this with somebody in the elevator. Just remember these four words. God, man, Jesus, response. That's the gospel. You doing okay? So if you share that, you know, Jesus died for my sins is not the gospel. It's part of the gospel. You doing all right? God, man, Jesus, response. Are you doing okay? Here we go. God. That man, God created man in his image. God created man in his image. Put his breath in him and created him, the only part of creation, to have communion and fellowship with God. Okay? God. Gospel starts with God. Doesn't start with man. Doesn't start with the condition of man. Starts with God created man in his image. You doing okay? God, man. But man sinned. Man sinned. And in that sin, the image of God in him was distorted and tarnished, but it could never be destroyed. All men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But here comes Jesus. God, man, Jesus. Here comes Jesus, who went to the cross as a one-time, all-sufficient sacrifice that we never had to pay any price for our salvation. We simply had to believe that by grace, through faith, our sins are forgiven. And then response. All we have to do is repent and acknowledge Jesus as Lord to secure our destiny and our future in heaven. Is that okay? God, man, Jesus, response. These all the elements of the gospel right there, nine or seven, in an elevator. You doing okay? Doesn't have to be more complicated than that. When you share some of those stories, when you share some of those parts, some of those elements of the gospel under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and let me, and let me tell you, the, the, the Holy Spirit is not always goosebumps, goosebumps and goose flesh. Like, like now I feel anointed. It's not that. It's a permanent thing. The, the Holy Spirit is not a space suit I put on to do spiritual things on a Sunday. I was telling these guys about uh, in in South Africa when I I walked into a shopping mall with a buddy of mine and he and he was trying to lead a friend of his to the Lord and he said hey there he is he's going into the shopping mall and he said let me introduce you real quick and so we walked over to him and he said hey man I just want to introduce you this is Terry this is my pastor that I was telling you about and the guy put his hand out and I shook his head this is a shopping mall no prayer meeting no fasting no worship team I put my hand out he shook him and as he touched my hand he went like let go of my hand. He goes, bro, there's a lot of heat coming off you, man. But we led him to the Lord in the shopping mall. We 
Gotta get away. I'm so far off my notes. See, I want to tell you, when you get this, when you get, when you get that this is all a feint, when you get that we all recruited into this thing, then you get the fact that there's a difference between visible and important. Because who's visible? Worship team? Worship leader? Preacher? Visible. I use that word very, very specifically. Visible. But what's important? All the saints empowered by the Holy Spirit. We had a, we had a, a, it's an old story, but it's just the best story I have. In the church we led in South Africa, uh, evening meeting, probably 200 people in the, in the evening meeting. And there was a guy, we, and I only know this because of a backstory now. You only hear these things later. There was a guy that was suicidal and had said to the Lord, I'm going to this church. He'd never been to our church. He said, I'm going to this church. And if you don't have anything for me at that church, I'm going to go home and kill myself. And so he showed up at church. He showed up late. He showed up after the music, uh, after the worship had started. So worship team's playing. I'm in the front row. The, the entrance to our church was through the back. So he came in the back. He stood there for two or three songs. And he said, nope, nothing for me here. And walked out. And a guy, a guy, not a pastor, not a preacher, not a worship leader, not an elder, not a deacon, a guy in the life of the church followed him out into the parking lot and said to him, you okay, bro? And he said, no, going home to kill myself. And the guy said, can we talk about that? And he said, sure. Spoke about it, led him to the Lord, brought him back in the meeting. So there was a lot of people that were visible, but who was important? The guy that followed him into the parking lot and said, are you okay, bro? You understanding the difference between visible and important? You understanding that the recruitment of all the saints into this job description that we have of making disciples of all nations, including Detroit, including your neighbors, your neighborhoods, and this nation. Are you, are you doing okay? You just have to be a guy. I don't have to have a theological degree. I just have to be a guy. I don't have to be a pastor. I don't have to have a title. I just have to be a guy that understands the call of God in my life and understands the flow of the Holy Spirit through me so that I can step into a conversation and say, are you okay, bro? You doing all right? I need to just land. I'm so tired. I told the guy, did I tell you guys about the, the lady with the heart condition? Did I, did I tell you that yesterday in the, in the, in the training? Yeah. But but it's a it's such a story worth telling. There was a lady in our church, um, and and she she was she was part of this. Our boys went to the school, and there was a bunch of teenagers that started coming to our church from the school, and she was part of that. And so she she visited our church one Sunday morning with her family, and came back that evening. And we were doing a, just a worship time that evening, worship and prophetic and prayer, and we were doing that on a Sunday evening. And she came back, and I was leading the meeting. And she, she's uh, maybe a little younger than me. I'm 59. She's maybe 10 years younger than me. Right? Um, she had a generational heart condition. Gen what, what do they call it? Gen genetic. It's not general. No, but, but when it's in her family. Hereditary heart condition. We had three generations of women in her family had not lived beyond 45 years old. 
And now she was getting to that point. And the doctor, she'd been to the doctors. The doctors had told her, you're in heart failure. She had a pacemaker. She, she, was, she was writing letters to her grandkids because she never th- thought she would ever see her grandkids, never thought she'd see her children get married. Her children are still teenagers. Writing letters, knitting quilts, putting all this stuff aside. What that one day her, her children can give those to their children and say, hey, Grandma knitted this for you. Grandma made this for you. Her pulse rate with a with a with a with a um, pacemaker. You should be preaching. You got all the words this morning. <laughs> um, pacemaker. And so, so she, she comes in. I don't know any of this stuff. Don't know any of it. And so I said, anybody sick? She put her hand up. Anybody want healing? She put her hand up. I don't know if she put her hand up for a head cold. I didn't know any of this stuff. Because all the kids knew her kids, all these teenagers, teenagers, all ran. Some of them ran on the chairs to get to her. And so about 15, 20 teenagers laid hands on her and prayed. And we carried on with the meeting, carried on worshiping. I won't go into all the details. But she went, she went back. She started to feel better. Went home, went for a walk, started to do push-ups. Her family's like, Mom, are you okay? Yes, you need to sit down. Before that, her energy level, if she vacuumed the house, she'd be in bed for three days. Now she's going on walks and doing push-ups. Family's like, are you okay? I feel better. So older son said, we need to pray for you again. Prayed for her again. About a month later, she went back to the doctor, and, and she wears a proper heart monitor that does a printout and all of that of her pacemaker. And the doctor said, I don't know what's happened, but your heart's outworking the pacemaker. She was on the heart transplant list, but they told her you're not going to get a heart. She's got a she's got a small framed woman, your 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 size frame, your age. Very 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 minuscule chance of you getting a heart. Lived with a death sentence. You're going to die. That's why she's writing letters and knitting quilts. Goes back to the doctor. Doctor goes, I don't know what's happened, but your heart is outworking your pacemaker. She's like, I know. Doing all of these things. Sometimes got a gym membership. Working out at gym. She went back two months later, her, her next checkup, and the doctor said, I have to take you off the heart transplant list. Nothing wrong with your heart. You can't be on the heart transplant list if there's nothing wrong with your heart. Visible, important. No, a bunch of kids. People leading worship, me leading the meeting, people sharing prophetic words. No, just a bunch of kids that believe that by the Spirit they can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You doing okay? Okay, okay. Listen, Laurie, Laurie is still in our church. We've we've shared this testimony. If you go, if you go look at, if you want to see the full testimony, I'll I'll let you know where you can see the link. She's still in the life of the church. That's seven years ago. Seven years ago. Seven years ago. Still in the life of the church. Still life church. Still working out. Still travels with her husband. Photos of her scuba diving. Okay, and I want you, to, I want you to hear this now because this is about all the saints. Seven years. That lady has been in my church. You know, I have not prayed for her yet. Let's talk about visible and important. Are you doing okay? I'm not saying I wouldn't if she came and said, hey, can you pray? I want to a word. But there has been no need because there's, a, there's an understanding of this thing of all the saints retreated into this place. Are you doing okay this morning? I have no idea how many along this morning. 
Let, let me let me let me just show you, and then we're gonna learn. You okay? Must be a bit of a stretch, man. You know. You know, I think, I think in, and, and I'm not saying y'all are like that because I love that sometimes an interpretation. That's that's sounds of life. You know what I mean? Sounds of the life of God. The life of God is here. Love the worship. Felt the presence of God in the worship. Those those guys that want to keep the Holy Spirit to the side or want to restrict that stuff in the in the meeting. This is this is what they're afraid of. Something weird might happen. Yeah? That's what they're afraid of. Yeah, this is this is true. What scripture is this? Why is this guy doing this? Guys, who can explain that away? I can open my Bible after somebody does something weird and say, Hey church, don't worry about that. It's a little bit weird, but it's okay, we've got grace for it. You know what you can't explain away? You know what you can't explain away in your Bible is a powerless church. A church where nobody gets saved, nobody gets healed, nobody gets delivered. You can't find that church in Scripture. So we're going to have to settle with a little bit of weird. And I know some weird people, and they blame the Lord. And I'm like, no, I knew you before the Lord. You were weird before the Lord came. Had anything to do with it? Don't blame the Lord. You was, we you was weird. tell me I'm weird. I'm like, yeah, but I was normal before I had kids. Y'all drove me like you. Y'all made me like you. Now you get to live with it. Those of you that are parents go, yeah, that's absolutely true. I was normal before I had kids. Does that make sense? Let's not be afraid of the weird. I, I love the fact that that Paul just took that, just that minute to explain that. That's what, that's what we have to live with. Something's going to happen, we're going to open the Bible and explain it. And if somebody does something weird, we can open the Bible and say, you know what, there's fruit of the Spirit. And God can do many things. And this person was roaring like a lion. There was something of the prophetic nature of the lion of the tribe of Judah coming out of him this morning. Let's be okay with that. But a powerless church, can't open your Bible and explain that away. Can't. And I'm telling you now, that's, that's what takes us from being a preaching center to being a prophetic community. Because otherwise we're just, I'm just standing up and making a lecture every Sunday. Don't worry. Give you a Bible lecture every Sunday. But if there's no life of the Spirit, we're not the prophetic community. We're doing okay. Last text and I'm done here. Galatians 5. I don't think I've preached 10% of my message. If you want to know how those books hang together, Gentiles eat pork chops. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Yeah? That's what happens when you quit school when you're 14. You actually find, find it. Y'all better stay in school, bro. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, hold the horse while I get on. That's how you remember those books, yeah? Like this is what I brought this guy here for. <laughs> it's rich. That's deep. Galatians 5, verse 22. <coughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions 
and design. There we go, there's 25. Since you live by the sport, let us teach you step to the sport. Let us not become conceited, provoking, envying one another. If you live by the sport, you keep in step with the sport, right? These things are so easy. So, I, I did six years in the military. <coughs> and in boot camp, the, the instructors are just yelling at you. And they just and they just yell at you. And they're looking for automated response, right? And, and, and they drill you. And they drill you for hours. You know, and, you, and you're walking up and down. In a in a in a platoon, you're walking up and down, and maybe s- maybe you're in a circle, and then the <laughs> I thought that was the Lord breaking into my <laughs> so anyway, so so you know they they just drilling you, and you're like, what is the point? We're not in the civil war. We're not going to march into battle. You know what I mean? What is the point? And they and they just do it, and the different different cadences you know you and you're just learning and you're just learning that this i only realized it later but when you're in a battle situation they want you to be listening for a voice and they don't want you to be thinking about stuff when your commanding officer or 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 when your platoon leader is saying something it's not like well let me just think about that let me see if that's the best option available to me because that's when people get hurt in combat are you doing okay so it's just this training. And so that text there is a military term. Keep in step with the spirit. It's a military term. This mobilizes the church where everybody in the church is listening to the same voice. Now we're not fighting for unity. Now we're not, now we're not fighting for empowerment. Now we're not fighting for any of those things because we've all heard the voice of God. Are you doing okay? And then when we get in a tough situation, COVID, we're all listening to the same voice. I've been in full-time ministry for 30 years. Nobody had a playbook for COVID. Nobody knew what was going on. Guys calling me that have been three weeks, planted a church three weeks before COVID started. What do I do? I was like, I have no idea. But I've been doing this for 30 years. Not this, I haven't. But we're all listening to the same voice. Psalm 73, verse 23. Lord, you lead me by my right hand. Are you doing okay? Life in and by the Spirit. When we get used to that voice, when we get accustomed to that voice, we get familiar with that voice. Now we have we have caller ID on our phones, but long before we had caller ID, I was married to Sandy. Been Sandy and I've been married for thirty years. Not one time that woman has called me when I go, "Who is this?" Why? Because I know her voice. Without caller ID, I know her voice. When we know the voice of the Lord, when we know the voice of the Holy Spirit, we hear the voice. And we obey. We hear the voice and we're instantly in step. And we're instantly waiting for our marching orders. We're instantly listening for the next command. All of us, to all the saints. 